Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the Philly Boots Rugby Roundtable with me, Sean Phelan. Each week I chat with a panel of players, coaches and volunteers who make our great game happen. You can check out all the previous episodes in video and podcast form by checking out fyvrugby.com. This week, the panel and myself revisit the discussion of returning to rugby post-Covid now that we are at stage C of the RFU's return to rugby roadmap. And we chat about where the roadmap currently sits in Wales and so much more. Let's get on with the show. Hi everyone, uh, welcome to this week's episode of the Philly Boots Rugby Roundtable. Uh, my name is Sean Phelan and I uh, am the person behind Philly Boots. Uh, thank you once again for join, joining us last week in our Q&A with um, Steve Granger. That was the, the most watched, the most listened to, uh, the most interactive um, show that we've done. Um, it had some great feedback, so hopefully uh, Steve has agreed to come on again in a few weeks' time, and uh, we'll uh, we'll have another chat. Um, tonight we were meant to be talking about uh, Minion Junior Rugby uh, player re- recruitment and retention. Uh, unfortunately, that's going to be moved uh, for a couple of weeks' time. Uh, we didn't think it was sort of necessary to do it just yet. Uh, still a couple of weeks until uh, they can start training again. So we'll do that once we can start training. Um, so tonight instead, we're going to be talking about the return to rugby. Uh, sort of the second part. We did the first part about a month ago. So we're going to check in now and see how uh, people are getting on and what's changed uh, and what what's going to happen in the not too distant future, hopefully. Uh, so I'd like to welcome tonight's panel. So we've got Ashley Brandon from Barnes RFA. Uh, we've got Robert Holmes making his uh, second appearance uh, on the roundtable, uh, chairman of my rugby club, Rachel Decker. And we have Ryan Barth uh, from Full Bay RFC in Wales. Uh, welcome to you all. How are you? Yeah, good, doing thanks. good, thanks. Excellent. Thank you uh, for giving up your time uh, this evening. Uh, it's really much appreciated. Um, so, yeah, if you if you want to put in any comments in the comments box, then please do so. Uh, we'll try and get to as many sort of points and questions as we go through the evening. Um, but as 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 usual, um, our, our sort of first question is um, to Ashley. And uh, how was last season uh, for you on RFC? Yeah, we were we were having a fairly decent season. Um, our uh, sort of looking at it from the the women's squad perspective, we we were doing better than we've done for you know a good four years or so. Um, we had uh, a new coach come in, which made a massive impact on um, the women's section. Um, our men's section got off to a bit of a tough start in that too, um, and we're kind of stressing a little bit towards the end of uh, 2019 about how they were going to stay up, but. Fortunately, they got a couple of good wins in and, and managed to steer clear of that relegation zone. So they, they're doing all right as well. Um, yeah, and our minis and juniors section, always always in good health. You know, 500 plus turning up on the weekend. So, yeah, we were we were in peak condition, I think, by the time we were told we couldn't play anymore, unfortunately. 
that's great. Uh, and Ryan, um, down in Wales, uh, how was last season for you? Um, I suppose, yeah, really good. It was um, my first uh, pre-season last year with Four Bay. I was previously coaching a different uh, side in Wales, in Swansea. And um, we set our objectives for mid-table. We set to the previous year, um, some weeks, a full squad wasn't um, put out. So we set to always get a bench. Uh, we did that. We have, we went on to get a second team formed, which was we're quite proud of that in the short spell. Um, uh, we did end up mid-table, as I said. And I think the way we were playing as the virus was coming in, we had a few games that were postponed because of the wet weather. I think the dry pitches, we would have ended up third or fourth, I think. Fourth, probably. So it was really good. Just cut us short at, at the when we started to fly a bit. But yeah, well, happy. Yeah, good. Sounds great. And the fact that you could get a second team out uh, from not having one before, that, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's quite a new club. It's only 25 years old, which is which is tiny when you think of clubs and now having their centenary years or more. It was formed by people that were playing rugby on a beach, Fall Bay Bay. So it's new. Um, but the second team, it was nice because the guys that were part of the, the, the set that 25 years ago, put their boots back on to play for this second team. So, yeah, it was good to see it coming back round. Yeah. Oh, that's excellent. Excellent. And uh, Rob, I know you've been on before, uh, but let's uh, give us a brief sort of on uh, how we'd got on. Oh, much like the other guys, you know, 500 kids on a Sunday morning, you know, mid take no, none of that at all. I mean, if we got if we got to double figures, it would be uh, an achievement. Um, the amount of times that we dipped into the fill you built fill your boots well is unbelievable. Um, to the point that um, I think we should start uh, paying subs uh, to be a, to be a paid up member. Um, but actually, <clears throat> this this uh, I, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but. This break has actually done us a favour because we've never had so many keen um, and uh, and enthusiastic and well attended training sessions since the four that we've come back sort of post COVID. So um, don't get me wrong, we were an absolute write off beforehand, and our objectives were mainly: can we fulfil seventy five percent of the games that we planned in September? Um, and the wheels were kind of falling off of that towards the, towards February, anyways. Uh, so we we always get hit uh, harsh with the um, Six Nations, but um, like I say, I think absence definitely has made the heart grow fonder for our guys. And in the last four weeks, uh, I've got to be honest, I'm really really excited for the season as it comes, whatever that looks like, because it really has kind of galvanised our our guys into into putting in proper shifts and uh, and turning up. So. Uh, like I say, last year, to be honest, probably did us a favour that uh, it all got called off when it did, because um, I think we'd have uh, stumbled towards the end rather than galloped. Um, but yeah, it's uh, like I say, it's all positive right now. I'm really looking forward to to whatever comes next, really. Nice. So yeah, um, as I said, we're going to talk about um, the return to rugby 
uh, the return to sort of pre-season, what that looks like, what that's been like, uh, the the changes in varied maps and the changes in various um, uh, touch rugby rules and all sorts of that malarkey. Um, but Ryan, do you want to explain, if if, if you can, uh, what uh, Wales's roadmap looks like at the moment? Um, only yesterday they updated it. They have these um, webinars. Yesterday was um, basically the same health, the same um, safety measures. With we got an online every session before you go, you go on to this, every player's signed up to my WRU locker, where you go on and um, that's where you register your club, and then you've got a it's a, it's a form temperature, you know, all the all the COVID tests. You agree that you haven't got them, then you can train. Um, that's just, that's all the same, but only difference is now we can actually play touch rugby. Uh, it's not they haven't put out like I seen on the English rugby where you've got a specific game with I think it's touch twice and turnover. But as part of our training yeah. sessions now, you, you can actually make a touch contact. Still no equipment to be used. Um, still a distance I've seen, but. Obviously, I, you can't distance if you're going to make a touch. So it's basically touch rugby. They still got um, the WRU take on is get in, get it done, and get out. So they don't want people turning up, which is a bit sad, really, but it's how we got to do it. But a lot of people like getting training after before to have that social unwind, little chat, and then get into this into the rugby. But it's basically if you start seven o'clock, if it's, if you start at seven, you get there ten minutes before. You can't use the changing facilities. You come in your kit. This is what I don't think is the same. You train. You can't go in the change rooms after, and you're supposed to go home straight away. But you you can't police that, especially when you know they grow men. If they want to chat in the car park, they, this does happen. But it's just common sense, I think, at the moment. But touch, but it is touch rugby is massive because that's what everyone's been asking for months. When can we have a game of touch? But we can now. So it's a positive step yesterday for us in Wales. Yeah. It's, it's that it's that passing of the ball, isn't it? And, and running around that everyone yeah. sort of seemed to have missed over the last few months. And Yeah, it's made it to like feel more real. Getting back to some sort of... Yeah, I because I don't know what the rumours are about playing return in the RFU, but in Wales, it's gone from January, um, some say December, but it was looking like January. So if we had started when we would have wanted to start... We could have started in um, July without the touch-in, but fit, you know, with we could have done a lot of conditioning work. It would have been the longest pre-season ever, and at <laughs> our level, we would have destroyed. We, we, you know, we would have had very fit players, but I think we'd have lost most of them. So we decided to go back a bit later with a lack, with a relaxed approach, just a bit of fun. But when you can't play touch rugby, that's even hard to make fun. So we adapted things. Yeah. But, Sounds we, like you were peaked. In about November. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we would have peaked in November with no games and still no touch rugby. We would have just been a running club or a, a bodybuilder or something. But um, now we can play touch and the boys really want to train now. Everyone's getting into it. So we're going to start next week, twice a week. The last month has been once a week, relaxed. They don't have to buy into the standards that we set up where they got to let the coaches know if they're coming or not. We want to keep it relaxed. If you're there, you're there. We'll be there. Um but now we're going to wrap it. Now we we got to start building because if they say we can start October, November, we do want to be caught short. So it's just I suppose everyone's the same. Sure, yeah, yeah. Everyone's in sort of the same boat, I guess. 
Yeah. Uh, Ashley, um, how has uh, COVID affected uh, training at Barnes? Um, yeah, I mean, I think pretty much the same as everyone. We've we've had to roll with the punches and, and we've waited to see what all the um, what the guidance has been from the RFU and, and tried to stick to it, you know, as tightly as possible. Um, again, we've got all those measures in place to make sure that, you know, when we do get round to training and, um, yeah, everyone's signed in, everyone who's said they're going to turn up or is thinking of turning up has let us know that they are going to be there, that kind of thing. And, yeah, it's it's completely, I guess it's completely changed um, the way we do our normal pre-season, which, you know, every everyone's going to be going through. But I, we started off with uh, phase B, I think it was, where we were allowed to meet in groups of six. Um, and we got together as sort of families based on geographical um, location and uh, did set workouts um, for about, I think it was for about six weeks, we kind of did that. Um, and it was really great because it kind of gave us that opportunity to do sort of a bit of social, um, but not quite actually socialising um, and still focusing on getting ourselves ready for yeah. the season ahead so that whenever it starts, we're going to be ready for it kind of thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, go back to what Ryan was saying about the the competition side of things and being able to play touch rugby. I've never seen a bunch of people so happy to be able uh, to play that that touch rugby version of of the game um, than you know than the team last what was it three weeks ago when they said we could do it. Um, and yeah, I think that competition element yeah. is so so important. It's it's what we've been missing um, in that preseason setup and. Yeah, it's just made such a massive difference to be able to have that competition to actually play something that resembles a game where, you know, you're not just exercising for the sake of exercising anymore. It's all being put in its practice. Yeah, yeah it's good. Are you think, training um, twice a week or currently just one? Yeah, just, just once a week at the minute. But there's still, um, we've got our family training groups that we were initially put in, um, you know, people have kept up with their individual family training group sessions so that it's kind of two, two times a week. Um, and the only thing that's holding us back uh, from being able to do that two times a week training session is we, we actually don't own our pitches. We, we hire them from the local authority. Um, and at oh, the moment okay. they've been yeah. a bit strict about how often we're on the, the grass and, you know, in the area. So, it's quite tricky for us to to get that second set of training in, but you know the the coaches have been incredible in in how they've engineered the training sessions to keep everyone involved and the stuff that we should be doing around getting ready to start the season. How they've actually kind of manipulated the way they do their training sessions so that we're we're getting an element of of that, but not quite doing it because we can't do all the contact and things like that. So. Yeah, we've just been lucky. We've got good coaches who've uh, kept us on our toes so far. I think it's going to improve um, no, it's, coaching it and weather. Like uh... Yeah, I think right, yeah. I think because, you're right, Ryan. Yeah. Because, like, I think we've all, well, I've done it, not, not all, sometimes you just, perhaps you haven't planned as well as you should have, and you've always got your, um, Okay, let's split. Let's do it. You know, you've got your easy options. And I think there's been no easy options for coaching now. You've had to use your brain. You've had to be initiative, share ideas with other coaches. And I think these little things that people are doing now will probably continue. Um, like, I, like the under, sorry, I know this is for seniors, but the under eights, my son's team, 
they really enjoy washing the equipment before and after, and it's like putting it away. I think it's which they done last year, but not to this ex- this extent. I think it's going to build a good little um, a culture of high standards in a lot of people, where they have to be doing these um, new measures. That I think a lot of it is positive, and it, and it'll probably stay. Some some parts. Hopefully, we'll be back to normal, but there'll be some good things out of this. I think. Definitely. And on the coaching things, uh, Robert, I, I, I don't know how much of them you've watched, but how how, how do you think um, club, a club like ours, you know, very small club, are going to benefit from all these and, and stuff that to be sort of all over the place, including like the, this one as well? I mean, we yeah, we didn't start training until sort of four weeks ago, um, <clears throat> because of where we're 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 based out of sort of southwest London, uh, North Surrey, and um, because of the geographical spread of our members, it was a bit difficult for us because we were still being told that it was kind of public transport was essential use only. So a lot of our guys um, come on public transport, so we was a bit kind of. Uh, hesitant to 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 kind of encourage them to take another journey on top of whatever they were doing for work, etc. Uh, so we kind of left it until the last knockings uh, of that kind of stage B. And uh, as Sean says, we're a really really small club. Um, we don't own our pitches; we rent them from a university. And uh, to the point that our training facility is is the local park to where we are. So. Um, and last year we were only getting six to a training session. So when we was on stage B, where you can only train in groups of six, that was it because that would be the whole session. Um, as, it, as it turns out, the, the first week of that, we had, we had sort of twelve guys turned up, and you know when you're struggling to get twelve or thirteen for a, for a game on a Saturday afternoon to get to twelve to train in fourteen the week after, and um, and amongst those two groups, you're sort of twenty different names. It's really kind of worked well for us and. Uh, and like I say, us going to that, uh, only having one week of that kind of initial six-person ma- uh, six pod, um, we kind of, we, we, again, everyone's itching to kind of do touch because that's what you do as a kind of warm-up before the game and, and some other some other drills. We could go straight into that uh, in week two. So uh, fortunately, the, the, uh, our coaches, uh, coaches elsewhere at, at a larger club and um had all the processes in place for notifications beforehand and letting us know that people were coming. And for us, we're very much a social side. So even if the only part of this new process we get is that there's better communication from our members that they're coming along to a training session, that would be a massive improvement for us just because it makes it, I think our, our, our players understand that because everything's different and there is an emphasis on um, following the RFU guidelines quite closely, that you can't just you have to tell people that you're coming because they will, our coach will build a training session for those numbers. So um, hopefully that that's something that will stick. But um, so like so we only had we only had one week where we couldn't we can only do sort of fitness only. And um, I can assure you, Ryan, in, in, in Southwest London or certainly in our club, fitness is uh, is certainly an F word that doesn't get banded around a great deal. Yeah, same with mine as well. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I, and I think you're right about kind of catching coaches on the hop. Um, like I say, we, our coach has been really good and has laid down some uh, really good foundations to the point that he was away last week. So I took training and I hadn't taken a training session for quite some time. But we, I was able to use what he had done in the previous sessions and, and some other bits elsewhere just to kind of keep it varied, 
because again, what you want to start doing is kind of a bit more around set piece and, and other equipment. And week one, just having a ball was was fantastic. And then you kind of prolong that, and then you can do a bit of touch. And now you want a tackle shield, or now you want a tackle bag, and you can't have that yet. And um, so yeah, I think the like I said, I think the, the cultural kind of keeping it varied, keeping it different, but only having one piece of equipment to use effectively. Um, I think will, uh, like I say, make make coaches uh, make training sessions more interesting because coaches have got to uh, have got to keep themselves, um, have got to keep your ideas coming. Otherwise, they people will just get bored of it. Yeah, agree. Do you think coaches coaching is going to be much better because of the amount of content that as people have been putting out over the last four or five months? I mean, I was. Uh, Sorry, man. I was uh, quite pleased to see the instructions around this ready for rugby. That um, the fact that the whole you, they've kind of given a blueprint of what you can do, but they've also then turned around and gone, you can change the size of games, you can change the attacking zone, um, you can you, 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 to make it more difficult for the defence or easier for the defence and more difficult for the attack. Just the, the the fact that they've kind of come up with this with this idea that potentially. In, in, if we move along the roadmap, we can do club versus club. But the fact that everyone knows that it is a blueprint and that it is quite fluid, um, I think is really kind of empowering clubs to, to take it from there. I mean, and, and for us, as you know, our coaching's got a great deal better because we've actually got um, Matt, who our coach is actually with us and taking sessions on a Saturday morning. So for the first time in a long time, rather than sort of, players taking bits and pieces of it we've got a centralized coach which we've not had for some time so uh so yeah i think they're ready for rugby works quite well on the basis that here you go this is this is your framework and then the rest of it go for your life how much ready for rugby is have you played ashley um i mean we've we were we had a training session a couple of days after the rfu announced that ready for rugby was um you know, we were at stage C and we could play. Um, so we've we've gone straight into it as quick as we could. Um, what we've done, obviously, we've got quite, especially for the women's section, we've got quite a decent size um, squad. And, you know, as the guys have said, because we've not been able to do anything for so long, the attendance is, is absolutely brilliant and everyone wants to be part of it. But, um, you know, there's still those limits on how big the groups can be. So, we have to kind of split the, the, the sessions um, a little bit and the coaches all sort of have two or three skill zones that will be running while you've got, you know, another group of players who are, are actually playing in the rugby for it. Uh, yeah. Ready for rugby setting. So, yeah, we've yeah, we've loved it. We've we've loved being able to get back onto that kind of touch rugby um it's 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 not a game for forwards i've found a, a, lots of us forwards struggling to get back on side quick if we're in defense that's for sure but um you know that that's only that can only be a good thing when it comes around to to getting back to playing properly um but yeah you know as robert was saying the skills and and things that you're you're introducing just in being able to, to play um i think the coaches are quite quite glad of of having that available to them now um because it, it's that much more close to, to being able to play normal rugby and yeah it's so important especially where we've we've picked up a lot of new players this uh, over this um over the break oh wow and so we've got so many players who've potentially never played rugby before 
and you know they've been coming to all these trainings uh, training sessions where we've been doing you know skill zones absolutely beasting them with uh malcolms and things like that and they've loved it but it's it's kind of like well you know i want to i want to play the game now um so this is you know we're at that point where we can actually start showing them this is why we've taught you this skill and this is how you use it in a game setting so yeah it's been invaluable Ryan, do you think we're going to have with all this touch rugby do you think we're going to actually have better quality rugby players I think um, we haven't got in Wales that was it ready for rugby that um, yeah. the touch game guidance that you guys have but I think certainly now with teams had to start back with skills it's bound to help it's bound to help isn't it that then you haven't just gone for pre-season and you've just been beasted from the start and it's all about conditioning and it's all about intensity I think it's going to getting back to a bit of basics certainly won't harm it's going to be good skills um, maybe even skills that people haven't done for a while because when you you know you stick to your position especially when um, Ashley said about forwards playing touch a lot of the time they may just carry up when they have to pass the ball you know it goes back to when they started the game when they were a kid and they're learning their little out the backs and flicks and you know no, I haven't seen many do it mine but it's, you know it's, it's skills that that we can do now in training it doesn't matter at this stage if, if it doesn't come off um but I think you said, um, Sean, didn't at the start about all these webinars and coaching stuff. Is it going to be good for coaches? Yeah. Um, I was thinking that it's going to be, yeah, it is. Only if the coaches, like I watch so many. I've done all the um, the RFU ones with Stuart Lancaster. But you can get up ahead of yourself. I've taken notes and notes and notes. That I think you realise you can only coach. At the, well, um, no disrespect to the players I coach or any other coaches, but these are international coaches talking about the elite players you have to i think you i think some people could get carried away see all these top end stuff going on and bringing it into the lower leagues i think you've got to be realistic take the good bits but you've got to just adapt it to where you are and i imagine that's going to be a challenge for some because they've probably done so much learning in this covid time when they go back they could really spin their players out hang on you know what's, what's going on here but that's just a balance we've got to find i suppose and Good coaches will do it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, just on, just rain, on that. Rain them you, in a little bit. Sorry, Sean. Uh, just on that. Do you think then, because we're kind of we're, we're now all conditioned to kind of video conferencing and uh, and appearing on shows such as uh, such as this, and, and almost. Um, I don't know about you, but broadening your rugby network, and I haven't even left my house, um, that actually the, the local RFUs or constituent bodies or, 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 or wherever it's done in Wales or wherever, perhaps they should be having clubs having this conversation and coaches having this conversation at a, at a lower level. Because yeah, that, you've, you've got the, the Stuart Lancaster webinars and I've listened to it and seen a few of the Eddie Jones has done, and you're right. You kind of yeah. go, I can't wait to put that into practice. And then, you know, we we really struggle with numbers to be able to, uh, even if we could do full contact tomorrow, to be able to get eight people down there to practice in scrummaging, not going to happen. So yeah. um, perhaps, perhaps the um, uh, the local constituent bodies and and perhaps larger clubs even can uh, uh, coaches should get the guys together because again, that 
exchange of ideas is only going to help everybody. It is, yeah. Massive. We, uh, a few of us locally in Swansea um, and further and out, out, out of skirts, we did set up a WhatsApp group and, we, and on Twitter and we had a few of these webinars and that was just like Division 1 down to Division 3 clubs sharing ideas. So we have, but then um, I think it dies out then. It's just, there's so much going on. I think the buzz is high at the start, but then, um, but certainly if it was run more officially, I think, whereas the, like RFU do it with Stuart Lancaster and the WRU were doing with, with their elite coaches, perhaps they have like a community coach running them and inviting local coaches on just to see how you could take the top and put it into the middle, I suppose, or the bottom. But I don't know if they've got the time. <laughs> Or the one to help the lower leagues, I don't know. Well, in England, they ain't got the jobs to do them anymore, but that's a whole separate issue. That goes back to last week's uh, show. All right. That's what I was going to come to. This is a question question for Ashley and Robert. Um, Steve Granger last week sort of said, talked about what the new structure of the RFU is once uh, COVID is back and all these redundancies that we know uh, have happened and there's only going to be 40 members of the RFU running the community department is is things like this Zoom and Skype and all this malarkey that we've sort of been having for the last four or five months is actually it's going to be the way forward now Sorry, did you say 14 members? Running the community clubs, 40. Zero. Oh, 40. Well, that's zero. They've gone from 108. Uh, was it was it 180 that are going, or was it 140? They were yeah. losing 100. Wow, there's something yeah, like 140 and they're losing 100 in yeah. London, isn't it? A year earlier, just it, that's, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think from, from the perspective of you, you can't be everywhere at once, and, and you've got so few people. Um, I mean, we used to struggle before sometimes to get in touch with our community reps. But, you know, if you're scaling it back to that that sort of level, I think, yeah, Zoom and, and these conference call uh, facilities are, are going to be the way forward um, for a lot of the, you know, the, the, the knowledge sharing side of things. I think yeah. it's going to be tricky where you would have those uh, community reps going out into sort of the low socioeconomic areas, um, places where, you know, the clubs wouldn't necessarily be able to get in, but because the RFU is the RFU, they can get in. I think that's probably where that massive impact is going gonna, is gonna to be felt once we get back um, to playing normal rugby. But in the meantime, you know, for, for the clubs that are established um, and have these facilities available to them to, to have these conference calls and to attend the training through, you know, the internet, um, I, I just can't see it being done any other way. That that would have to be the only way to do it to reach, you know, the the, the audience that they have to reach. Yeah, I suppose. I I did hear this week. I don't know if it's true though. I think it's true. Um, the RF the WRU Level One course is now going to be run online. So whereas it was a weekend, it's done online now for Level One. I don't know if it, there's Level One, Level Two, Level Three. And then level four, I think, is like where you get into the regional coaching. But so they're obviously starting to think that's how they're going to run co- coaching courses, which will be, I don't know how you could really do it from like we are sitting now, but I suppose it's a way that they can get money in. It's while people be a lot of videos, isn't it? 
yeah it's just gonna be a lot of video, video uh bits and pieces isn't it well you film your session send it to them in a week and then they'll assess it and you discuss over the like this yeah, I mean, I, I don't see why kind of that online, uh, that online teaching model that you see in so many different industries couldn't work uh, for this. Because, like I say, you could sit down and you have the conversation online here. They send you whatever resources you've got. You can go away and practice that with your club. You can film yourself doing it. You can film your kind of my first session of doing it, my last session of doing it. So you can see that improvement. And I suppose yeah, uh, from that point of view, at least it then you're encouraging people that maybe uh, has this accelerated their their retirement plans to not play rugby anymore, but you don't lose them as a coach. So you don't lose them to the game because they can still do their coaching and find their local club that, down the road and, and go back. And like you were saying before about your guys, the the um, uh, the originals that you had kind of worked out for your seconds, that kind of gives something back to the club because yeah. they haven't got that... Um, the the, the the time commitment and they can do it on a gradual process and they can pick up as they go along. I was thinking that sounds like a good idea. I mean, yeah, I might, uh, I'll, well, especially so when you said that they, they could do it over gradual time, hmm. whereas they may have to give up a whole weekend and they're older, they've got families, they work shifts, they could run it on online where there's no time restraint. As long as you get the resources, complete the modules, get it done, film, yeah, I think you you spot on there. It could be something they could run really well and people could come back. Yeah. Because Good also, idea. I think you should sell that. Well, but I also think you get you, you can break it down even to a granular level that you can go along to a coaching session. You could take just one part of it, watch the coaching, watch the coach that's there, take, do, do a couple of uh, tasks, a couple of drills, a couple of, um, uh, like you say, modules, get in practice. And then rather than taking a whole training session on your own, because I, you know, some people find that quite daunting. It could be quite a good yeah. way to introduce it. I mean, for for us, we were uh, we'd been talking to our local uh, uh, RDO George Russell. If you're watching, hello, um, about trying to um, get them to do or to, to get him to do some coaching, uh, maybe even at a larger club, one of our larger neighbours. Because, like I said, we we are tiny in comparison, and I mean, you could throw a stone from our place and it for rugby clubs. Um, and, and, and clubs that have got sort of several senior teams and, and juniors and women's sections and all sorts. But to hold a session where we could come along uh, and we could take part with bigger numbers uh, and then kind of take that information away back to us. That's something that we've been talking about uh, to do with, with our RDO for quite some time. And, you know, if he's gone and you've now got, you've got his area, which again was Surrey, which is a ridiculous number of clubs. And then he's gone, and now someone's got that territory and the, uh, and the county next door and the county. I mean, anyone in that area, you, you'd have three times the amount of clubs someone would have maybe in the West Country or or in East Anglia. So it's uh, it, I, it is difficult to see how they're going to cover that same and and quality as well and quality of contact and continue and continuity of contact with clubs if they've if they, their numbers are dwindling so much especially when as we've just said all clubs are crying out for a bit of uh, uh, ingenuity with, with training a bit of advice and assistance and kind of helping us uh, along every step to get us back to playing some sort of competitive game that begins with our
Yeah, I think so. Uh, it's going to be sort of a tough period, isn't it? It's, uh, no one really knows what's going to happen. Um, so, yeah, so it's going to be a long a, a long wait to, to go. Um, we've got about 10 minutes left. So if anyone wants to drop any questions in the in the comments, then absolutely get we'll, we'll uh, talk about anything uh, in the last sort of 10 minutes. But um, uh, so, Rob, our, our training sessions, have, you know, we've said we've, have, have been with sort of 12. Ashley, how many have you been getting so far sort of all together? Um, anywhere between 25 and 30 players turning up to, to the women's sessions and probably the same or a bit more for the men's sessions. Um, the men do their staggered, what so they do their had, slightly different. What, what would you have had 18 months ago, two years um, ago? 23, uh, what, uh, two years ago, oh gosh, um, 18 if we were lucky. A lot less, a lot 20, more? Yeah, significantly less. Um just I guess um we've just grown over the last couple of years. We've been quite lucky to to have some good recruitment. Um we've also built some really strong links with um the local universities, uh Imperial College London, their women's rugby team. Um, you know, if they're not playing a game for Imperial College, they're with us on the weekends and they'll be playing for us. Um so we've we've managed to forge some good alliances with those teams and that's that's been a massive um contributor to the the numbers that we we get now which we didn't sort of have a couple of years back uh and you said you managed to recruit some players drew in lockdown how, how did uh you go about doing that um big social media campaigns really um just making sure that where we were doing our family workouts and in small groups we were posting that um online so people could see that you know it is locked down and, and there are restrictions but we're still able to go out and have fun um and i think that's that social side of it um not necessarily being able to to kind of go out and party and or meet up in in big groups in the the clubhouse but keeping those family groups together, keeping them strong, um, responding really quick to anyone who showed any sign of interest on any of our social media kind of stuff. Um, just, yeah, just that kind of pushing to, to bring people in. And I, I don't think it was that difficult because I think it was um, Ryan mentioned earlier where, you know, people have been sitting at home doing nothing. They've uh, probably been scrolling through their social media an awful lot more than they normally would. Um, and coming across things like rugby, which there is that ability to train in small groups, um, which I think was probably quite appealing. And people will go, oh, you know, I'll give that a go. Or I used to play rugby. Or, I'd like to go and, and have a run around and see if I'm still any good. Um, you know, and, and that's that social media cannot be underestimated in, in how powerful it is in bringing people in. Do you know what you said about people yeah, saying, oh, definitely. I when you said, sorry, sorry, um, Ashley, when you said people haven't had their boots on for a while, I think that's, mm -hmm. I've heard a lot, of, a lot of people saying that, that mm -hmm. when they could play, it was their choice not to, and they, they took the game for granted. But when there was actually no option, there is no rugby, I think I spoke to people, and they're like, wow, yeah, I, I am going to play again, because mm -hmm. I realise how much, it is, well, they, how much they enjoy it, yeah, the importance but... of it, and not just the game, the social side, more probably for a lot of people. Certainly people that have had their rugby, had their uh, prime time playing and just want to just dip in and out now, have the odd game, 
But I think, I think, it, yeah, if, if it does come back pretty soon, it'd be fine. Obviously, if it keeps going on and on and on, then everybody just be playing touch rugby and you'll make the best of it. But yeah, it's going to get a lot of players back, I think. Yeah, it's it's just been incredible, the number of, of people. And I, I think it is that whole thing of, you know, your options are you can go running on your own or, or with, you know, your mate who also likes to go running or you can go to the gym now. But you, it's still very kind of singular, whereas with rugby, with especially with moving up to level C now, you know, you can train into in in larger groups. You can play matches between up to 20 people. There's, you know, not a lot of sports that are offering that or, you know, after after you've been stuck indoors on your own pretty much for months and months, um, the opportunity to be in a group of people, I think, becomes uh, quite appealing. Um, yeah, so I think that's one of the main reasons why we've had such a, a good crop of, of newbies coming in. I think the, the only concern I have, well, I can see that could be an issue, is that in Wales, the local park football teams, like the grassroots football equivalent of the rugby, they can start next week. Um, mm. Friendlies, full contact. So if there's anybody that used to play football or does a bit of both, they could be taken away to football for three months until rugby starts. You might not get them back. Um, yeah. But that's another. But that's another issue. I can't see how football can start contact when they're in the box head doing your man marking. It's, it's, it's a contact game. I know mm. it's not 80 minutes or 90 minutes of full contact all the time, but you're gonna if if you're gonna if the virus is on that field. It's all different, I think, it's on a rugby field because it's two groups playing competitively who aren't in their own bubbles. They're coming together. Um, that's probably another issue, but football's back in Wales next week. Um, leagues can play different teams, so it's not in-house training. They can play other sides coming from local areas, and then um, it's how rugby has to bide its time alongside that, I suppose. We'll see where we are. Yeah, I think for... for... Uh, the other side of the border over here. I think that's where that ready for rugby comes back to, because the because football can yeah you can you can play competitive football, you can play club football. The fact that we can now do this, and let's face it, it is touch rugby. Um, we can do that. We can we they, they they've come up with a way in which that you can play club on club or team on team eventually. I was going to ask that question. You yeah. can do that well. Well, we can't do it yet. We can't do it yet, but. Um, uh, I think they, I think they, because they came up with a, uh, they came up with a roadmap which was, uh, which is six steps, and we're on step three of those six steps right now to get us all the way along to play rugby. But I also think that they've, uh, they, they've clearly taken some advice, and Steve Granger was saying last week about when it comes to full contact rugby, it's not just sort of what happens around the ball and a tackle situation. It's also things like if you've got a scrum, you've got two sets of eight that are in very close proximity to each other. Even before the ball comes in, now don't get me wrong. When yeah. the ball comes in, they're all facing the same way, which is down. But before when, they're effectively those front rows are certainly face to face. So it's not just about the kind of contact part of it. it. It's the other bit. Whereas I think they've tried to come up with this game that once we get there, we can play in the club because that roadmap that they had before, I think they realised that actually the the full contact part of the game is going to be a long way down the line. And this this actually gets clubs being able to put on a game, bring another club down to them, um, play some sort of um, uh, competitive. yeah competitiveness. And, and going back to Ashley's point about the forwards, that'll be a great leveller when you come playing uh, another side because it will be a case of, right, do I put 
and we've all done, we've all played in those games where the opposition drops their front row out and sticks uh, sticks their, their spare back rowers in the front row. And when it comes yeah, to open rugby, good. they're at, they're absolutely at, they're absolutely everywhere. But they can't. They, you, you're not allowed. You're not allowed to give them a nudge when the uh, when you're in the scrum and they they run you into the ground. We've all done that. But I think when you've got genuine sides that are going to turn up with forwards and backs, and how they how you play that kind of touch rugby, and try and level it out because again it's just a framework to be able to turn around and go look you can you can't have any uh, if you're playing tennis sides you can only you can you must have at least six forwards on the park hmm. or you must have at least three three tight fives on the park or whatever to kind of level that yeah. up I think actually that's why they that's why they brought it forward because playing full contact rugby I think is going to be quite a way down the line. Yeah. Uh, and I think scrums will be held back, like you said. I think they'll start without scrums, personally. They'll build yeah. it, build it, build it. It's a shame for us at 4 because one game last year, we were short a bit. We had 12 front row in the starting 15. And myself <laughs> on the bench, a hooker on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> There's a team of front row. And um, we've we done all right. We had a crash ball 12. That was from another club. We lent him. We thought he's a 12. He, he, he said, no, I'm a tight dead. Well, he's 12 today. Um, <laughs> six was a prop, the eight was a prop. So, yeah, we... we, please, we, tell me you were, please tell me you were doing 11 people line-outs. No, but we had, we had a fantastic driving line-out. Everyone just, <laughs> <in. laughs> just came in. Yeah, we did score for driving line-out. Our scrum was class, can you imagine? But once they got around us, there was no hope there. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good laugh. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. I think that's a way to end it. Um, uh, thank you, Ashley, Robert, Ryan. Um, thank you for joining me tonight. Uh, as, as they'll tell you it was all very last minute, a uh, bit rushed to get put together, but we did. It was a great, uh, great show again. Um, so, yeah, if, uh, this will be on YouTube. Uh, in about an hour or so uh, this will be a podcast as well tomorrow morning uh, so go to all your favourite podcast places and, and like and subscribe and all that all that lovely stuff uh, I'd really appreciate it um, so yeah we'll be back again next Thursday uh, we'll, be, we'll have another topic um, but then in the meantime yeah Ashley, Robert and Ryan thank you very much for joining me uh, and we'll see you all again very soon so yeah all the much. best for the season guys Yep. And you. Yep. All the best. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Robert, Ashley and Ryan for joining me this evening. Don't forget to join us on facebook.com slash fybrugby live every Thursday evening and get involved in the discussions. And for all the information on Philly Boots, please visit fybrugby.com. I've been Sean Phelan, and you've been listening to the Philly Boots Rugby Roundtable.